now yo 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 what it do what it do it's your boy yellow the poet and i am here with brendan brendan is the founder of master talk and he also coaches ambitious executives and entrepreneurs so brendan thank you and welcome to ytp entertainment i'm so glad to have you please give us some insight about what you do what's up brother good to see you yellow thanks for having me man it's great to be on yeah so so master is two things one is you know the coaching business and the second one is it's a youtube channel i started to help people who can't afford a communication coach and how that started yellow was when i was in uni when i was in university college mm-hmm. well the guys my age were playing basketball <laughs> i did pres i did professional sports for nerds oh wow which which for me is presentations i did that competitively Okay. I was 19, 20, 21 years old. Awesome. And then I, and then as I grew up, I started coaching mm-hmm. a lot of people on how to speak. Not because I'm some coach or anything, back then anyways. Because the alternative they had was a rock. So they might as well pick me. <laughs> so, so I started helping them. And then I got really good at it by accident. Awesome. And I realized that everything I was showing them wasn't for, available for free on the internet. So I started making videos in my mom's basement, and then a few years later, turned into something I never thought it would. Cool, cool. I like that. I like that. Nice, brother. That is awesome. So one of the things that I was looking at is um, you were talking about how can we present better online. I noticed that you mentioned something about online. So how do we present better online? What makes us better at it for sure man so so let's start communication in general then happy to go into the online side okay is let's start with why why do people not work on their communication skills and the reason is because the fear is not as important as the motivation okay so a lot of us are fearful of communication when you think about communication what's the first word that comes to mind it's probably anxiety stress fear not for you because you're a great speaker <laughs> uh, but for most because you're a poet of course for you that's not the Why right <laughs> yeah, yeah for you that's probably not the case but for a lot of us it is right mm-hmm. and that's the challenge so the first step always is to do something a lot of us who are listening to this haven't done mm-hmm. which is to dream we dream about our vacations the expensive things we want to buy yeah. the family time we want to have Yes. When was the last time we dreamed about our communication skills, Yellow? Never. That's a tough right? one. And a good yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. So here's the question to think about. How would your life change if you're an exceptional communicator? Think about that one. I think it would change dramatically. Um, and one of the reasons why I say that, one of the persons on the, on the opposite side, because um when i first started speaking i was young and it was the anxiety the fear the worrying about what other people would think of what i'm saying and how i enunciate my words and how i'm actually speaking to them am i actually being engaging am i giving off the message that i'm actually trying to um have the audience reciprocate so yeah, <laughs> that is tough. I love that. That is that's the key. Yes, indeed. Wow. Okay. So, what advice would you give to people, and in order to help them be better at communicating? 
Absolutely, man. So so now that we're we're done dreaming a little, we've thought about the question because communication is so much more than giving a presentation. Mm-hmm. So when we talk to our family, so we order food at a restaurant, so we talk to strangers when we travel, it's every moment of our life. So we might as well refine it. Might as well get better at it. <laughs> All right, so that's one piece. The other piece is now now that we've done that, what are some strategies that we can do to get started right away? So I call this my easy threes. Let's do one at a time so I'm not monologuing for 10 minutes here. (laughs) So the first one, and you might appreciate this in in poetry, is what I call the random word exercise. Mm -hmm. So basically what the random word exercise, it's kind of like a freestyle. You pick a random word like pistachio, like nuts, like screen, like lights, and you give a random presentation out of thin air. Mm -hmm. No preparation. Okay. And what I like about this yellow is if you can make sense out of nonsense, you could make sense out of anything. And that's what the random word exercise allows you to do. That's so funny you said that because my instructor used that same analogy in our communications class. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. <laughs> that's awesome. That is. So the second thing. Absolutely. So the second one is question drills. We get asked questions all the time in our life, you know, at work, at school, on a podcast. Yeah. We're always getting asked questions in our life. But a lot of us are reactive. We wait for the question to appear. Mm-hmm. And then when the question appears, then we answer it. Mm-hmm. Not the right approach. I remember a few years ago when I started doing podcasts, somebody asked me the most bizarre question. He said, where does the fear of communication come from? And I looked at him and I was like, I don't know, dude. Los Angeles? San Diego? You tell me, man. Really? Right? I was like, I don't know. So so because I was reactive, I didn't prepare it. So what did I do differently since then? Every day for five minutes, again, I would reflect on one question that I felt the world was going to ask me about communication, but I did that every single day. Awesome. So if you do that every single day for five minutes, not five hours, five minutes, one question a day, mm-hmm. gives the doctor away, right? You do it for a year, you'll have answered 365 questions about your industry. You'll be unbeatable. Wow. That is awesome. That is totally awesome. Great, great advice, great points. I like the three, definitely. That is awesome. So how is it that you can construct it where people kind of are ready to actually answer the questions? How do we, how do you construct that? Mm, great question, man. So, so there's a couple of easy tricks here and feel free to follow up on this. One is crafting the questions, which actually isn't that hard. All you have to do is especially if you want to be an expert in something, mm-hmm. just ask the people around you, what questions you got for me? And they'll just tell you, write them down a piece of paper. Right. So questions I get, where, where does it, what, why, are you, why are we scared of communication? How, what tips do you have for introverts? How do you present online? And you just have each question, you write it down. That's one piece. Exactly. The, the other piece is not to overthink the structure of how we answer it. Mm-hmm. Is taking the action. Think about poetry. We don't sit there for 10 hours and go, huh, what kind of... No, you just write. That's true. You write, figure some shit out. You make a ton of mistakes. 
<laughs> and then eventually you go, oh, this this one piece out of the 10 garbage things I just wrote is actually really solid. And that's what you put out to the world. Yeah. Same analogy here. <laughs> Don't overthink the answers to the questions because just the fact that we're answering them ahead of time already puts us ahead of 99% of people. And then the last 1% of that is just – now let's test the answer and see what people say and then create a feedback loop and then make it better, kind of like the writer's process in poetry. Let's try out the poet, the poem. Let's see what happens. If it sticks, it sticks. And if it's not, it's it doesn't stick. That's true. That is so true. <laughs> I like the way I like the way you answer those questions. That is pretty cool. So um Thanks, for five minutes of practice, what techniques are you using is there um a particular format in which you use or are you just brainstorming for the random word exercise or for the question drill for just the, for both actually are you brainstorming before you start or are you already certain of what type of questions you're going to be asked Right, right. Great questions. So let's talk about both. So for the question drill, Yellow, what I would say, don't prep it. So I would say just prep the list of questions. So for example, let's say we were doing this exercise together mm -hmm. and we make we make a list of 30 questions. Where, Why are you passionate about poetry? What is it about poetry that you love? What does poetry mean to you? Like I'm just throwing out random questions here that you probably might get asked. And, you, and what do you think is the correlation in poetry and life? See, I'm sure one of these four questions, like, oh, I've never really been asked that before, <laughs> right? So, so you write it down, and then every day you open that notepad, and you take the one questions for day one, the second questions for day two, third questions for day three. But the five minutes, you don't prep anything. You just put the question, and you just think about it, and you write something down, even if it's garbage. Cool. And, that, and then the next day, you do the same thing with the next question. Okay. That's, that's what I would say for that. Gotcha. Random word exercise, same thing, no prep. The only thing you need is the word. So you wake up, you go light, and then you just give a presentation like this. Lights, camera, action. The movie business is so hot these days. Look at this, you just give a presentation. <laughs> it and, is. Then you do this. and then you do the same thing the next day with another word. That's it. Awesome, awesome. So is there a, in in every question that you're um, being asked, is there a keyword that you look for or is it just the the question in general you got it it's really the question in general and your first answer won't be that great but it'll be better than coming up with it on the spot with no preparation <laughs> okay. so like for example how i've done it is you know my answer now to where does the fear of communication come from is way better than where it used to be which was San Diego and Los Angeles that's where that's where the fear comes from <laughs> and now I now I have this whole spiel on the education system what are they getting wrong all that stuff uh -huh. but that took a long time cuz i would say the answer and then i'd look at your face and if your face just goes mm, then i go okay i got to make you better <laughs> but if your face goes oh i didn't think about that right then i know i got something Got you. So I would say that you pay attention to details, um, body language, um, how a person asks the questions, how they answer questions if you're asking them questions. So you're very detail oriented. Would that be you safe? gotta be? <laughs> it's like the whole like, why do I know? Uh -huh. the, why do I know to start my my interviews always with how would the world change? How would your life change if you're an exceptional communicator? Because I know it works. Okay. Because oh. every host always listens to it and they go, 
Huh, I never really thought about that. That's pretty powerful. But that happens every time. So I know that works. But there were 70 other things I tried before. The people would go like, hey, what are you talking about? And so, so that's the key. <laughs> that's pretty cool. I like that because it, it shows um, that you are actually really into what you're doing. You're very open to communication. So if someone's asking you a question, you're pretty much ready. You've self-prepared yourself. And knowing yourself is one of the things that I always talk to people about when they ask me about how I communicate with people. Knowing oneself, if you know yourself, then it shouldn't be hard to answer a question about yourself. But the fear, once that fear factor steps in, you're pretty much like, it's like amnesia. <laughs> it's like a temporary amnesia. I don't forget everything about myself once someone asks me a question. But then as soon as you walk away from that person, I should have answered it like this. I should have said this. I should have said that. So now you have this whole cluster of thoughts in your head that you should have said, but that you didn't say when you were asked the question. <laughs> Absolutely. And we feel that all the time, by the way. You've answered it and you'll go like, shit, I probably should have said this and that. And, and the version gets better over time. Because yes. you get asked the same question over again. No one's going to ask my favorite colorist. And and it's yellow for the purpose of this podcast. Because if, if I said something else, I might get in trouble. So, the key right? Because the key is like, the, no one's asked me what that is. They're asking me what tips about communication. They're asking me about communication. They're not asking me like, uh, you know, the past girlfriends I've had. You know, no one's asked me those questions because it's not related to the theme of the, of the intention. That's why you get better, right? And answering those questions. Exactly. That is awesome. I like that. <laughs> so, in your years of doing the communication, approximately how many people have you taught, and what impact? would you say you had on them? Right. So, so that's a tricky question because it'll depend what metric we're looking at. If we're looking at the people I've directly worked with, mm -hmm. the number's probably two, 300. If it's like clients, awesome. if it's people who have seen me in a training, a webinar, an audience, it's it, that's in the thousands. Okay. And if we count social media, now we're talking tens of thousands because the YouTube channel is a pretty good following. But yeah, but for the impact, I would say... It's one big thing, Yellow. It's convincing people that they can be a great communicator. Like there's a reason I don't suit up for these things. Yeah. Because I, I want to be casual. Obviously, my YouTube channel is a bit more profesh where I got my suit on and everything. Right. But there's a reason I'm chilled out when I'm on interviews. Because I don't want to put – I don't want people to put me on a pedestal. I want really people to feel like this kid is coaching CEOs. <laughs> well, if this guy can do it, I can definitely do it. Because I still live with my mom. Exactly. You know? <laughs> Even if, you know, I have all super cool clients I'm super grateful for. You know, I still live with my mom. I, I'm only 26. Like, I just graduated from university a few years ago. Right. Yet, I've I've developed a very successful expertise and following for myself. So, if I could do this, imagine what everyone else can do. Right. So, what would you say the, the secret is in gaining followers? I would say it's the very conversation we're having right now. You know? mm -hmm. It's not about a thousand followers. It's about a thousand conversations. Yeah. Here's something I promised myself when I started master talk. And that's why I became successful and some uh, relatively. So I still have a lot more to go. Mm -hmm. I said, 
If I wanted my YouTube channel to have 10,000 subscribers, I need to be willing to be on 10,000 podcasts. Mm -hmm. Even if Yellow's the only person listening to me, if, I'm sure there's others, but let's assume Yellow's the only person. Right. Even if it was the case, I would still spend 45 minutes talking to him. Yes. Because this is what matters. Because at the end of the day, following is just human beings who look up to you who are following your content. So I need to deliver, even at the level that I'm at now. My YouTube channel is 25,000 subscribers now. Awesome. So I don't need I don't need to do this anymore. But I, I do it because it matters. Mm -hmm. Because I know that at the end of this call, you might you might have thought something, not you, but somebody else might have thought, oh, this guy's super professional, whatever. But at the end of the call, my goal is to convince people, even if it's just one person, that you know what? When I think of the word communication. Mm -hmm. And in a conversation with my friends, in a conversation with my family, I'm going to bring up Brendan because Brendan's a cool guy. Yes, yes. That's what builds followers. I, Not some vanity I, metric. Yeah, too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. There you go. <laughs> so I'm going to ask a question that I don't normally ask because you seem prepared. So I'm, I'm going to ask. Ask me anything, bro. What... Do you take a psychological approach <clears throat> to communication based on the person that you talk to, or is your approach a general approach every day, all day? Good question. So you're right. It's definitely the first one. I've always believed that the best communicators on the planet are chameleons. They always adapt their style to mm -hmm. the person they're speaking with you. Mm -hmm. So but let me be very clear what I mean, because a lot of people, because there's two sides. To this. Some people might think that's manipulation. I completely disagree. Exactly. Right? I don't think that's what it is. I think it's having the empathy to create safe spaces for other people to feel comfortable in our presence. That's the way I think about it. I'll give you a super easy example. Let's say we take podcasts. I get two types of hosts, and one is usually in the middle. You're more in the middle as a spectrum so one side of it is like super expert yo what's up Brent? how's it going super excited for this i've done like 10 hours of research on you <laughs> and i know everything from your date of birth to your social insurance number <laughs> let's get started and i and i reciprocate that energy let's do it man let's rock i'm ready and that's that's actually my natural voice i'm, I'm naturally very extrovert okay <laughs> but then you have the other side uh -huh. i get enough zoom call with paula okay paula's really shy it's her first interview. <laughs> She's really worried. She doesn't really know what homework is. She doesn't. She barely knows who I am. She just watched maybe one or two YouTube videos, and she goes, uh, "Brandon, it's good to see you." And my tone changed real quick there. Right. Right. <laughs> you saw this when I was talking to Paul. Now I'm talking. To Paul. <laughs> hey, Paul, is this your first interview? Right. Goes, yeah, I'm really nervous, but I'm really looking forward to interviewing. No problem. Let's take it one question at a time. I'm really excited to be here, Paul. Right? So my approach just shifted 180. And then we have the middle, which is more the conversation that you're you're that type of host where you're kind of you can do both. So <laughs> that's the key. You got to adapt. And same thing with industry. Sometimes I'm on a very professional show. It's right. like the guy is suited up, it's boom, boom, boom. These are my 17 questions. Let's rock. And it's like someone shooting out of a gun. And you're kind of like, <laughs> and then the other piece, like it's more chilled out, like the one that we're having right now. Yes. So yes, I do believe there's a psychology there, but the psychology doesn't come from taking advantage of people. In my opinion, the psychology is if you really want to add value, you need to adapt to the psychology of the person you're speaking with, exactly. because that's who the audience is following. 
Exactly. And that's normally what I do. I would normally adapt to the person that I'm speaking with. That's the reason why I asked, because I knew that for some reason, that would be a good question for you. Yeah, for sure. Man. <laughs> I knew it would be. So I usually adapt to my environment because I feel like adapting to an environment is always important. Because when you can relate, when you can actually um, get on the same communication wavelength that everybody else is on, it makes a difference. It, it just makes a difference in life, period. And it's not about manipulation. It's just about showing that I can relate to you. I can relate to your lifestyle and I can also adapt. Absolutely. <laughs> it is what it is <laughs> so and i also like to ask raw questions i know that sometimes we have a, a list of questions that certain people like to ask and i also know that there are certain particular topics that people want to actually talk about but i'm raw i like to just communicate and give it to you in the raw ask the questions in the raw as opposed to just being scripted I feel like scripted is boring. I'm sorry. <laughs> scripted is very boring. I agree, by the way. Though I don't tell the people who have me on scripted podcasts. Huh? <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm blunt too. I'm sorry. <laughs> but <laughs> so I ask you this, Brendan. In um, your psychological approach to people, how often is it that you have to um adapt to situations is it all the time or do you pretty much run into some of the same type of people Ooh, that's a fascinating one yellow i would say <laughs> hmm i would say most of the time i find myself adapting because my real self is overly aggressive Mm. And most people can't really take that unless they're in my an insider. An insider just means they're in my inside circle. They're in my inner circle. Close family friends, mm -hmm. my my biz, top business partners, my top clients. Those people can deal with my craziness. <laughs> most of the general public can't. Because you have to be pretty messed up in the head to start a YouTube channel communication at 22 <laughs> and get to this level at 26. You have, there has to be something crazy about you. <laughs> so, so there's definitely a level of insanity that I have. So I would say that to answer the question, I do find myself most of the time adapting to other people versus the other way around. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. That's okay. And the reason is because it's my mission in life. Right. I don't think most people should actually do that. I think you should adapt yourself to the people you actually give a shit about in your life. I think that's the easy win for most of us. You can't do this with everyone. It's really exhausting. I'll get. I'll give you. I'll give you a scenario that will kind of mess people's minds up a little bit. Uh, think about Justin Bieber, right? Okay. Justin Bieber, any famous singer, pick anybody, but let's just use Justin as an example. He's always smiling when he's meeting fans, right? Most of the time, let's say ninety-eight percent of the time. Right. But the question we got to ask ourselves that we really don't think about. Is does Justin actually like every single person he's shaking hands with? I don't think so. <laughs> How is that possible? Right? It's statistically impossible exactly. for him to do that. But he has to show face. Why? Mm -hmm. Because his vision demands it. Not because he's a bad guy. Mm -hmm. You have to be empathetic because his vision demands it. Yes. Because he wants to be a world-class guy, he wants his music to be heard by millions and millions of people. He needs to be equally nice to everybody. Yeah. Ideally. Right? Yes, ideally. Right? Ideally. Because then you have like people like Tom Cruise. We know the guy's an asshole, right? Because he's been called out a lot of times, right? So it's, and that's okay. 
power to him. He's way more successful than I am. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so it's not a dig on him, but the point I want to drive is depending on what is the result that you want, you have to adapt your stuff. So for me, it's important that most people find to like me. Mm-hmm. And the reason is not because I have some insecurity. I don't, I couldn't care less. The reason I want them to like me is because I want them to watch my YouTube videos okay. so that they can get better. Exactly. So they, they can learn. Cause if I, if I have like a specific version all the time and I'm too preppy or I'm too this, I'm too that I'm going to alienate a lot of underprivileged communities who won't feel like they relate to me. They'll be like, ah, oh, that guy's a suit. <laughs> that guy's right. So, yeah. so that's the key. So for me, the mission of getting to everybody is so important that I would, that I even do podcasts with people who are experts in poetry. Yes. I know I won't get business from it, but it's more <laughs> to help me become more relatable to everyone else around me in the world. Correct. So I'm in touch with the human being who's watching my stuff. So yes, I'm always adapting. Got it. Understood. Understood. So for me, my um, objective most of the time is to reach one person. If I can reach one person with the messages from my poetry, not necessarily the poetry itself, I'm more in tune with the messages that I'm giving to my peers, to my fans, to the people. I want them to pay close attention to the messages that are in my poetry. And I feel that if they pay enough attention to those messages, they'll actually get something from it. And if I can just reach one person per day, then I feel like I've done my job. I love it, man. <laughs> and and a quote that I, I can use, which literally solidifies what you just said, is by a guy named Ali Gadet. And he says, if you help one person, the world will give you permission to help everyone else. Hey, I like that. That is awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> so... I ask you this, Brendan. <laughs> I, I, I love asking these questions. So in the time that you've actually been communicating with people, um, when you're sitting down and you're having that one-on-one communication with someone, how is it that, how do you go about what you're going to say to them how do you pattern yourself to actually help that person? Right. So I would say for one-on-one situations, it's really about listening more and asking more questions. You get more information because the more information that you have, the easier it is for you to adapt energetically to people. I'll give an example. Let's say I'm on a sales call with a potential client. Mm -hmm. I'll spend most of that call just listening to them because I want to hear if they're a fit for me because a lot of energy to coach people. So I'll just ask them, what brought you on this call? What challenges do you have? Where do you see yourself the next few years? And if I, and I can, and I just listen Mm -hmm. and I barely say anything. So that's the way, obviously in a podcast, I have to do the talking because I'm the guest in this context, but that's not who I am really. Mm it's all about asking those questions right. and making them powerful. Like what's one goal that you're really excited about this year? What are you passionate about? Another thing that I like to do, which mm-hmm. is more a different conversation around just talk to the people you like. I always start with that. Mm-hmm. You don't need to always talk to people you don't like. Obviously sometimes you do, <laughs> but not all the time. Right. But so what I like to do is I like making a list, mm-hmm. lists of the top five questions you wished people asked you more. Okay. 
Okay. So what are questions you wish people asked you more? So for me, I wish people asked me about what I'm uh, in a, in a networking context. Mm -hmm. What are you passionate about? What are you excited about? So I write that close question down and you know what I do? I just ask them to other people. What are you passionate about? What are you excited about? What are your dreams? What are your goals? Because generally, because if they're not good at conversation, they'll answer the question and go, what about you? Exactly. And then you get to answer your own questions. It's great. <laughs> that's what I do. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and that's kind of a psychological approach too. I like that. <laughs> there you go. I like that. I, I love psychology. I studied it for four years. So I love psychology. And I feel like the the majority of our lives, we have to use some form of a psychological approach, no matter what aspect of life we're in, no matter what um, genre of business, no matter what genre of music, we have to use some form of a psychological approach because I think that it's the silent communication combined with the verbal communication that allows people to really understand where you're coming from. <laughs> I'm with you, man. And that, so how often do you use silent communication to convey the messages to your people? Yeah, for sure, man. I would say the pausing is really important, right? You pause to draw emphasis to your message. Mm -hmm. So so the question is not more or less. It's more what are the circumstances that we can do it more often? Mm -hmm. so we don't need to do it like every two minutes or every three minutes. Okay, you got to pause here, pause there. But it's definitely important to throw it back. Mm -hmm. Whereas I find the mistake that people make, which we can avoid, which automatically brings more silent communication, mm -hmm. is we ramble too much. Yes. We, a lot of us, I don't know, I'm sure you've seen the person. It's like they go on for 10 minutes straight. <laughs> yes, they I go like, yeah, It's like, do you need an oxygen mask or something? Because you're going to run out of air at some point. <laughs> to those people, right? But a lot of us do that. Even me, sometimes I'm super mindful of it. I want to make sure my answers are long and detailed, but not too long where the host is like, okay, like I'm like twiddling my thumb. <laughs> Right. So, so I, I got to balance it. So I always have like a three minute rule. I, I'm not super like anal about it where it's like, it needs to be three minutes or but just like, don't go for five minutes straight. Basically <laughs> is, the, is the general of thumb. If you can do that, you're already pausing more often because you're already taking a beat within yourself. <laughs> but you know what, for me, it's just more so about getting the message across. Basically the same thing that I feel about my poetry. <clears throat> so when someone's getting a message across and I feel like pretty much anything that I'm asking somebody is important enough for me to really get in depth detail about their answers. I mean, if you're not willing to listen to what a person has to say, and I understand the whole rambling thing and not going too long, don't get me wrong, but if that's the way that they have to convey their message, then what can we say? You know, <laughs> sometimes we have to just sit back and listen. But the beauty is editing. Editing is a wonderful tool and it allows you to change some of the ways that some people have been long-winded. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So... When you're having a one-on-one -on -one communication, what what have been what has been some of the major things that you've helped people with? For sure, man. I would say for me, it's three areas. One is presentation mastery. 
So really removing their ums and ahs, smiling more, vocal tone variety, pacing. How do you fix all of those things? Okay. That's the first piece. So they give the best presentation of their life. Mm-hmm. That's the first. The second piece is leadership mastery, right? which is what are the areas of communication that we don't think about that are super important? Mm-hmm. How do you give feedback that's inspiring, not just informative to people around you? How do you ask better questions? Mm-hmm. Right and st- and answer questions in a way that you come off as really good, really strong, in communication, and then the third pillar is relationship building mastery. How do you use the smiling, the vocal tones, the pausing that you do in your nice speech, when you're having coffee, mm-hmm. when you're talking to Yellow on a podcast, <laughs> when you're having those conversations, right. and really every other area of life, and that's kind of the trifecta of what we teach people. Awesome, awesome. So what are some of the techniques to embrace those things that you just mentioned? 100%. To keep things simple today, Yellow, what I would say is communication is like a domino. It's a a multiplier effect. So you know those toy dominoes you used to play as kids? Yes. (laughs) So when one of those dominoes falls, all of them follows with it, right? Yes. Let's say we take the random word exercise. So the random word exercise is like juggling 18 balls at the same time. That's what communication is. Mm-hmm. One of them is filler words. One of them is eye contact. One of them is smiling. One of them is face, right? So it gets really confusing when we try and do all 18 balls at once. So what does that mean? That means start with the random word exercise. Because the people who are winning are not the people who are going, oh, that's a nice exercise. They're the people who have already booked 15 minutes on their calendar tomorrow to actually do it, to actually try it with their kids and stuff, their family. That's one. The mm-hmm. second one is the question drill. Sure, we can talk about how this affects the three pillars and all that stuff. But the most important lesson is, are you doing it? Are you waking up every day for five minutes and just writing down a question, just figuring out an answer to it? That's it, simple. And then the third piece that we didn't talk about yet that I'll just say right now, sending video messages to people that you love. It's not hard. It takes 20 seconds. Yeah. Hey, Yellow, thinking about you, man. Love your poetry. Love your podcast. Hope you're on a wonderful day. That's it. Simple. Simple. That's it. Simple. But it's so simple, nobody does it. That's true. That is That's so true. Game. That's the game. So how does that apply to the question you asked? Well, Brendan, what are the strategies for presentation mastery, leadership mastery? The strategy is to do it. Mm-hmm. Just do it. Because if you get better at the random word exercise, you'll smile more. Mm-hmm. Your demo vocals. And you'll start to apply them in your everyday conversations. Look at that. Yes, yes. Right? And that's the secret. It's like Mikey said, just do it. Yeah, there's no, the only secret is to just do it. That's it. That's it. That's all. That's it. That is awesome. That is awesome. So um, how did you come into getting into um, mastering communication? How did you come into that? Yeah, for sure, man. So for me, when I was in college, university, I went to business school. And I did these things called case competitions. Mm-hmm. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. Okay. So other guys my age were playing rugby or basketball or baseball. I wasn't one of those guys. Okay. <laughs> I did presentations competitively. That's how I learned how to speak. Mm-hmm. But then as I got older, I started coaching a lot of the students in university on how to communicate ideas. But it was never to be a coach or to be a YouTuber or to make content on social. It was so I can get a job in corporate and be successful in the corporate world. That's why I did it. Okay. So what happened? I started coaching them because I wanted them to win these competitions that I was doing too. And I accidentally became one of the world's youngest communication coaches. 
Because by the time I was 22, I'd probably coach 50 to 70 people on how to speak. Wow. I got really good at communication. So then I got the idea for Master Talk from one of my students. He was like, well, how did you learn how to speak? I was like, well, I don't know. Uh, I just spoke. I said, well, did you watch a YouTube video? Did you do this? Did you do that? And I said, YouTube videos? Who in the world watches YouTube videos on communication? <laughs> and I said, are you sure you didn't do that? And I was like, uh... so I spent a few hours watching the videos that were available at the time. Uh-huh. And I was vomiting in my mouth. I was like, this is terrible. <laughs> so I said, I could do better. So I started making videos and that's how Talk started. That is awesome. That is awesome. So tell me about a time when one of your when you had to communicate with one of your first students and tell me what was some of your thought processes what would you do differently i mean back then i was garbage i mean my first students were my age back then i I didn't get paid to do it until maybe three years ago because i I, so for for four out of seven of the years i just did it because i just found it interesting i just like doing it that's why i got so successful rapidly because i I would have done it for free anyways (laughs) so i was just naturally good at it because i'd done the reps so when i was in college those are my first students the people that program and i i would say the number one so much because remember i wasn't a coach at the time yellow right i was learning how to speak i got really good on how to speak and then i was reverse engineering Mm -hmm. what i did with other people so i was like oh well that's what i did and he's like well that doesn't work for me so i I was kind of like a mad scientist i would make all these mistakes (laughs) so i wouldn't really change anything Mm-hmm. I think the only thing I would do differently is I would tell my younger self to, in the context of coaching to uh-huh. just be a more open-minded. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. I was already open-minded, but to take it a notch further, listen to more podcasts, do more, because I'd be a lot smarter today if I had done that more. Got it. So how, in over time, how did you increase that? How did you take it up to the next level over time? Yeah, I would say the biggest one was community because that case competition program, I know I, I kind of underplay it a lot because mm-hmm. it also makes me look a little bit too too condescending. But I think the key is that's the that was the world's largest case competition program. Oh. These people were not average. Even the people I was coaching were already pretty good. So for me to gain the respect as their coach, I better be the best speaker in that whole program or else who's going to take my advice but these kids were already strong like they got jobs on wall street and all these fancy companies (laughs) after business school is over so that community is what made me world class because to be number one in that niche it's like being there's a difference in being an nba player which is already incredible and being the being kobe bryant right there's a difference that is very significant so that's what i try to do i always call myself the michael jordan that nobody gives a shit about in the sense that, you know, MJ took basketball seriously. I did too with yes. case competitions. <laughs> but nobody, nobody's there to say, hey, Brendan, you were so rude to these students when you're in college. Because nobody cares about case competitions. <laughs> but they did it with MJ. But me and him were very similar in personality. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny because I actually met MJ um, originally from Chicago. <laughs> oh, did you? That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny you would mention that uh, you would give that analogy. That was really cool. Because <laughs> I, when I met sure, him, man. he was like so comical. He was so laid back. He was a pretty cool person to actually talk to and 
and play basketball with. He was actually pretty cool because that was one of my that's one of my favorite sports. And at the time, I played pretty much every day. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Man. <laughs> so, what can I say, man? It was it was a lot of fun. Man. So there you go. I ask you, um, has there been any times where you felt the need to just shut down the communication, just not say anything, just allow people to just talk while you just listen to them? Oh, yeah. I mean, all the time. Or Like, I took a 90-day vacation. I just came back from recently because okay. I, I was so burnt out. I mean, I've done, like, hundreds of interviews at this point. Wow. And it's just like, man, it's a lot of work. So, and obviously enjoy it, but it was straining my vocal cords a lot because I was speaking so much. Like even today I have calls until like eight or 9 PM. So, <laughs> right. So I'm always, I'm always working and I love it. It's the life I chose. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a dig on my life. I love it. Right. But I think the key is just when I'm not speaking, I'm definitely just listening to other podcasts or just not speaking. <laughs> So I'm I'm pretty quiet when I'm at home actually. Okay. I don't want to I don't want to strain my voice too much outside of calls. So yeah. Totally understood. So what do you do in terms of your diet? I mean, because I understand that diets play a very key role when a person has to do a lot of speaking, presentations, engagements, networking. When those things happen, your diet is is key. So what do you do for your diet? <laughs> I wish I had a good answer here, Yellow. Honestly, my diet's garbage. But I'll, I'll tell you what I eat, but I don't think it has an impact on my speaking. <laughs> I, I I have one or two meals a day. I still haven't eaten. I, I think I'm eating one meal today So because I, I just don't like eating too much. Mm-hmm. That's one. I eat a bunch of pistachios, unsalted. I eat a bunch of berries. And then always for dinner, I either do takeout or something unhealthy or I do something my mom cooks for me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, nothing crazy. I don't think it has an impact for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, I mean, one of the reasons why I ask is because a lot of uh, people do speak in engagements. Like me, for example, if I'm doing an engagement, sometimes before I speak, I'll drink something warm or drink something hot just to pretty much keep my throat balance to whereas I'm not projecting wrong or too loudly or too low or anything like that so it kind of helps out and then uh don't have to constantly clear my throat a lot of times either so I do those for that reason so that was the reason why I asked that question (laughs) because I know we all have our patterns we all have our reasons for doing things and that's important so overall what is the biggest message that you would like to give to a group of people? Yeah, man. I would say that the final word to close this off, and it's a great question, is what's the big message at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. The big message is don't forget about the question we talked about earlier. How would your life change if you became an exceptional communicator? You know, Yellow, a lot of people, when they hear that question, they don't write it down. They think it's cute. They don't think about it ever again. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> and I would encourage you to be the person who does. <laughs> Definitely. Be the person who takes it seriously. Take 15 minutes when this episode's over mm. and just reflect. How would my life change? Yes. Because if you don't do that, you're not going to send any video messages. Mm. You're not going to do the question drills. 
You're not going to do the random word exercise until you find out why communication matters. And what I love the most about the skill, Yellow, it's as important for all of us, mm -hmm. but it's important to us for very different reasons. Yes. Some people, it's a keynote on a stage, somebody else to have a better relationship with their kids, somebody else to be a better mother. And it doesn't matter what the reason is. You just got to figure out what yours is. Exactly. That's all. Exactly. I love that. That is so impactful. And for me, the beauty is I have this video. So even if I don't write it down, I can always go back to it. Yeah. <laughs> this, this video is saved for me. There you I, go. Uh, done. <laughs> I am super happy, Brandon. And I couldn't help. I can't help but to let you know that I'm super grateful for your talent, for your expertise. I'm super grateful for you actually being on this, this podcast. I thank you so, so much and for being patient. I appreciate that as well, too. <laughs> of course, man. It's my pleasure. And thanks for having me on. This is great. No doubt. No doubt. Thank you so much. So at the... I would like for you to be able to tell our audience some things that will help them to be able to reach out to you. How can they reach you? Give them websites, full information, things of that nature. For sure, man. So two easy ways to keep in touch. The first one is the Master Talk YouTube channel. Just go to Master Talk on YouTube and you'll have access to hundreds of free videos on how to communicate. Number two, Come to one of my free trainings. I do a free training on communication over Zoom. It's online. It's free. And it's live. It's interactive. It's not some boring webinar. I'm on the call. I'm coaching on the call. And it's awesome. So if you want to join that, go to rockstarcommunicator.com. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brandon. You have definitely been an awesome, awesome guest. Thanks for joining YTP Entertainment. And please feel free to send those links to my email. I will definitely join the call. Thank you so Absolutely, much. Man. Thanks for having me, man. Beautiful day, man. Thank you. And many blessings to your craft. Many blessings. You too. You too, bro. Peace and blessings.